0: Welcome back to Out of the Bubble. My name is Rachel Peru and I'm a grey-haired curve model and I'm going to be your host for the Out Bubble podcast. I started a new career four years ago, age 46, and found on social media so many amazing, inspiring women who were really embracing life and leaving a trail of inspiration along the way, helping to break down those stereotypical middle-aged barriers. So I thought the podcast would be a great way to share some of these stories with you. So season three, I'm really excited to be back. I've been chatting with a diverse set of women of all ages whose stories I know will help women become more confident in body and mind. My guest this week, I met at an Enterprise Collective event last year while standing in a book signing queue for Vicky Sorayas, aka The Honest Mum, and to be honest, after years of avoiding network events, I don't know if you're like me, but I the thought of going to one absolutely filled me with dread. I really was terrified of the thought of walking into a room and not knowing anybody. And last year, what I go to the Enterprise Collective has really changed me because I, I now love going to them and I look forward to going to them. So my next guest I met actually in a book signing queue um, at one of these events and I'm delighted that we've got Ali Mortimer here today, founder of Heal Happy Health, and Ali is a holistic health and happiness coach, and she uses her own personal life experiences to help others. So, welcome, Ali. Thank
1: you. I I've felt exactly the same as you about networking events, just the only ones I've been to before, the, those silly ones that they have at like six o'clock in the morning, and you just think, how on earth can I possibly get to that when I've got so many other things to do it? Yeah. six or seven o'clock, and it all felt very formal, and very much that you know if i'm going to recommend you then you need to recommend me and it was almost like a chip kind of summary whereas the enterprise collective they've got it really nicely it's just an opportunity to meet and chat with other people and if you want to collaborate then it's a mutual thing that you decide but not for anybody else's benefit or purpose just your own, really. Definitely. So
0: it's lovely. And I think, do you think people suffer from that like imposter syndrome when they go to these kind of events? Because they think, well, what, what can I possibly talk about? Or who can, you know, What they're going to wonder why I'm here. <laughs>
1: why does anybody want to talk to me? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think if anyone feels that way, one of the best things you can do with the imposter syndrome is just go in and think, I just want to go and make some friends. Yeah. Because everyone could always do with another friend. Yeah, true. And I like that if, approach. Yeah. And if anybody wants to know about what you do in, in terms of your business, then, then that's lovely. But I always lead with just... You know, friendship.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, how do you describe yourself to people?
1: <laughs> well, I always say that I'm a um, a health and happiness coach, but I don't really think that many people understand what health and happiness coaching is yet in this country. It's still a little bit unknown. But I was sat here just actually just last week, I had a client sat on my sofa, and um, she just said, "Ali, you fix people's hearts." She said, "You fixed my heart," and, and I was quite overwhelmed mm. by that in, in terms of emotion. Where she said, she said. But when I came here, I was broken. I was broken in terms of I didn't know who I was, my marriage had broken down, I'd left the work that I'd always done, my heart was broken from doing that. And I just, she said, I just didn't know where to go. She said, I came here and sat on your sofa, and you've kind of clicked my heart back together and Mm -hmm. fixed it. And I've got all those bits back exactly where I want them, and I feel confident now, stronger. And we talked about how heart, um, and the word courage comes from the French word, obviously, Yeah. to have courage. And she had courage to come and talk to me first, because it can be quite daunting to actually say, hands up, I've got a problem, I'm, I'm mm. not very happy, and mm. I need somebody to help me, but I don't know where to go. So yeah. it has courage just to take that first step to say to somebody, can you help me? Yeah. So I I, I like the way that she described that that's from lovely. her experience, Yeah. you were a fixer of hearts. Yeah. And, and, and I love that, because yeah. I suppose that's what I did To myself yes and then that's then what i really wanted to do in order to help other people really come from a really dark place and find light and happiness and that just comes back to knowing who you really are Mm -hmm. that's a lovely
0: (laughs) way to put it what were you doing before because this is very different to what you were doing before isn't it (laughs)
1: polar opposite do you know if I think I've I've gone back to myself you know maybe even just a decade ago seven years ago and said oh by the way you're going to be running a company called heal yourself happy I probably would have laughed you under the table having been like one of the biggest cynics of kind of like all of this woo woo world that I Mm. kind of touch on and emotional health and and happiness I used to build websites and ran big global teams to build big retailers their websites so very very different my whole approach to to life was you know, mitigating risk of failure. So going around thinking, well, that's not going to work. How are we going to mitigate that? That's not going to work. That's going to, you know, and looking for things that went wrong. And I think I applied that then to my life, always looking in that negative space of, mm. well, that's always going to go wrong. I'm not going to do that because it will go wrong. So, yeah, very, very different to where mm. I am now, which is trying to get people to see everything is a very positive space and ask the question of stop thinking, what if it could go wrong? Ask yourself... What if it went right? Yeah. You've got a 50-50% chance of either happening, so why torment yourself of thinking about what's going to go wrong? Why didn't you make yourself a little bit happier and think mm. about what's going to go right?
0: I mean, when, was that quite a male-orientated business?
1: Um, it was getting better but when i started funnily enough about 20 odd years ago i back down in warwick this week and it was my very first project oh, and i had the most amazing boss and i texted him i was like i can't believe 20 years ago we were sat in this hovel <laughs> in a data center looking after big like data warehouse of servers and and i'm back here now and it was very male then i was the only girl on that project mm. um but in some ways that was quite nice I, maybe i was lucky i worked with some really nice guys who took me under their wing um when I left, I was obviously working in ASDA and there were a lot more women there and I had a female boss then right. who was incredible. And she brought the softer side, I believe, to it. You know, she was very nurturing. She was much. She was probably what I really felt as coaching, where I first really understood the power of coaching mm. and empowering people to understand what they needed to do and listening to what they knew that was right. She used to listen to me and ask what I thought we needed to do. She was open mm. to those suggestions. So that was lovely but unfortunately tragically she got cancer and she left very very suddenly and then I got a male boss yeah. who was very very radically different he was like it's my way or the highway oh, right and started to undo everything that I'd created and that Emma had helped me create as well and I struggled with that for 6 months and that was when I had my first experience of burnout and mm. collapsed because it was just it was just against everything that I wanted to do and felt that was right.
0: And how did that manifest mm-hmm. itself? Because you, you, did, you did have this kind of breakdown, yeah. but then you, you did kind of push it to one side at the beginning, didn't you? Massively.
1: Kind of... massively pushed it aside. And I left ASDA quite suddenly, I suppose, in the end. And I didn't realise that I was burning out. I was working round the clock, and I, and I recall so specifically the exact time that we decided as a family that it was time for me to leave um typical day you know up at you know six something or other getting two little boys ready for school dropping them off at school kids club at you know seven Mm. trying to beat the traffic to get into leeds starting my first calls and getting work going with my uk team um going through the normal day thinking oh my gosh it's four o'clock i need to get back pick up racing back along the motorway picking up the kids two tired little boys of like three and five getting them home trying to give them the attention that they're craving but yeah. not really being able to because obviously by then we had blackberries and it kept pinging and yeah. i had a global team so by this time america had woken up so i was then a mad dash to try and get my boys into bed james would then walk in the door and want feeding and i recall at that particular time i had two pots on the arger trying to cook supper a blackberry in my hand willie came downstairs just as james was coming in through the door because he wanted my attention yeah. he was crying James then came in wanting supper. <laughs> the pans were boiling over on the Arga. Some, one of my, one of my um, team had just been having a hissy fit and upset everybody in America. So I knew I had to get on a call back to America. And then Depression. the dog was sick oh, in brilliant. the middle just, of the floor. Just
0: icing on the cake, gosh. <laughs> and
1: I was just like, James looked at me and I just said, can you do it with the child and the sick? I've got to go and get on a call with America. And I disappeared off into the, um, into the study. For the next two hours trying to sort out this this problem and then when i came back james lesson had cleared everything up put the children's bed made the supper and then he literally looked at me and he goes this isn't working is it mm. and then i just started crying and he mm. said well i'll write your resignation letter and we'll just send it mm. and i mean how lovely that you
0: have such a supportive know, husband that recognized that because yeah. you could have gone on for much longer couldn't you
1: could and well, i think i've been doing that for such a long time i think that was just the final straw yeah. it was just you, you you know i was sick constantly i was from that was happened in around the May time, and I'd been sick. I think I'd been on my third set of antibiotics with chest infections and illness, and I just wasn't listening to the fact mm. that I was pushing myself far yeah. too hard and then it was only when I got frog marched out of the office the next morning <laughs> <laughs> so I went in and said they said, "We've got your email and uh, I was like, "Yes, yes, I think I, I need to leave." and they said, "Well, what are you going to do?" And I said, "Well you know I don't really know, but I know." The guy who now heads up, um, he, was, he was the director at Tesco, my original boss mm. is now the director at Tesco. And I said, well, I might give him a call. And then I also know somebody who's head of Amazon because all my old colleagues around us Anderson Consulting Accenture have now left consulting world because they'd had families and yeah. gone into industry. So I had all of these connections everywhere. And I said, I, I'm going to give them all a call and just going to see if they want me to come and do a bit of contracting, see if I can do a bit of flexible working for them. But first of all, I'm going to give myself a break. And they said, okay, well, we just need to talk to HR. So I said, so go back to your desk. And I went back to my desk. And they literally ran down the corridor after me going, you need to leave now. You need to leave now. And I was like, what? They said, you need to leave now. So okay. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then they put me on gardening leave for the rest of the summer, which is probably the best thing yes. that could have happened because I just, I couldn't do anything. I just had to sit there and actually really listen to my body. And at the same time, my mum my was really poorly. She she had Alzheimer's Mm. and she'd had it for quite some time by that point but I hadn't really realised how bad it was getting and so I thought well what am I going to do with this time off I'm going to start looking into a bit of health clearly I'm not looking after my health my body's trying to tell me something so I became almost a little bit obsessed in trying to understand holistic health and reading all the books on Mm. what I could do and looking at my food and nutrition and then I started to look into like Alzheimer's and what you can do to prevent that and and again, that was very similar. You know, preventative Alzheimer's has a lot to do with diet, nutrition, right? anxiety and stress, how it plays on your mind, sleep, huge things. So I started to read up on all of that and got very, very interested in that yeah. whole kind of world. same time, dabbled back in with, well, who am I? What do I want to do? I, I'm not yeah. really quite sure. I'm obviously very good. How old
0: were you at this point?
1: I must have been in my mid thirties because if, if Tom had just started school at five then I'm yeah 36 mm. I would have been about in my yeah. mid-30s but then I had this whole crisis of identity of my god well if I'm if I'm not going to go back in to corporate and do what I'm doing mm. who am I yeah. what am I going to do because I don't think I can just be a mum because yeah. from a really young age my dad has always said to me you can have everything you can be this high-flying mm. corporate you know woman yeah. and you can have kids So I thought, well, I can't let him down. I can't fail him by not doing that. And then James has always expected me to contribute financially. We've Mm. always contributed equally financially. So how does that work and the pressure on him? And just all of these questions, kind of like really questioning myself and what I was going to do going forward. And it was really quite a difficult and turbulent time to try Mm. and understand, well, what is it that I can do Mm. that's not going to disrupt our family again in the way that it has done? Yeah. So that took quite a lot of coming to terms with and I tried so many different things
0: you know did you feel like you're always grieving yes life? yes
1: I didn't think I I didn't at the time mm. looking back definitely yeah. because I was at such a loss and in my head a lot and worried about letting everybody down and and I tried lots of different things mm. I tried consulting I went back for interviews did loads of different things Accenture asked me to go back and Oh, this, well, this is a funny story, but they asked me to go back to um, be a potential partner in a senior position to try and motivate younger women in the ranks to come back after having kids. After having kids, Right. And I said, okay, well, I'll come down and have the interview, but unless you can convince me that it's something that I can do from Yorkshire and still look after my kids, then I'm not entirely sure it's going to work. And I said, no, no, you know, come down. I said, okay, I'm going to have a chat and um, I, I remember saying, well, should we just talk through a typical day? How's it going to work then with me? working being a consultant mm. he said well you know you get up you get your kids off to nursery or school or whatever said so, fine and then you come into work fine so you can go home and get your kids and put them to bed and then you can log back on i was like right okay so i'm going to go home and get my two tired little boys and i'm going to put them into bed and then my tired stressed husband's going to come home and want some supper so i'll cook him supper and then we'll probably have a chat. So it'll be about nine o'clock. So you were expecting me then to get back on and do a couple of hours work till 11 for me to then get up at six. I said, do you think I'm really going to be my best self when I come back? I said, mm, thank you very much work. for the opportunity.
0: <laughs> yeah. But until,
1: until you work out, your flexible yeah. working. Yeah, I don't think I want to take that job. No. No, not for all the money in the world. I don't, that's do not going to work. So I tried so many different things. And then the hardest thing, I think, through that period of time was friendship. Friends, you know, as supportive as they were, it was kind of, I said, what are you doing now? Yes. And and, and yeah. I was like, well, I'm I'm now going down this route, yeah. and I felt like a real it's a failure. judgment. It's isn't huge amounts it? Yeah. of judgment, and I just, God, I haven't got it yet. And then it's just yeah. that constant, oh God, I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I failed at being a mum. I failed yeah. at having it all. I failed at this, and now I'm failing at trying to work out what I'm doing. And it it was a really really difficult. And it was probably about three or four years before I really kind of decided what it was Mm. I wanted to do.
0: But don't you think this generation, like our generation, we grew up leaving school and being expected to assume kind of one job for the rest of your life and if you don't do that and if you deviated from it you do there is that kind of feeling of oh you failed and you haven't massively done it right. Whereas now luckily I think the generations that are coming up can see that you can be, it's fluid and you can go in whatever different direction and and it's actually unlikely that you stay in the same I because you yes, changed, don't you?
1: You do, and you mature, and your interests change. And um, I have a lovely client, and she's early 30s, maybe not even 30 now, and um, I work with her because she's trying to change careers and do varying different things, and she stopped looking after health, and she knew that that was impacting her health and happiness and, and mm-hmm. what she was trying to do. And she just said she read up on multi-talented people. She said that it's multi-faceted, multi-talented, and she said, now people can be a lot of different things. You're not expected to just be a lawyer yeah. or just be a pianist. You can be a piano-playing lawyer, yes. and you know, you could be a you know, shit-hot lawyer in the day and yeah. then go off and you know, go and be a concert pianist in the evening, yeah. and that's okay. And, yeah. and I think I, I like that aspect. Yeah, I so I think you need to have more strings to your bow, and I think mm. the more strings you do have to your bow, the better in this day and age.
0: Yeah, definitely. I've just the meeting I've been to this morning, I had a fitting for a bridal aunt's shop. Yeah. And she's a part-time lawyer. So during the day, three days a week she works in um divorce lawyers yeah. department. And then the two days a week she works in her own bridal business. And I, <laughs> so I thought keep how we do completely it. opposite. Getting to get married. And she loves <laughs> it. And and she's kind of just she said, I've got the right balance. So I thought, well, how fantastic that she's yeah. tried something completely different to what she was trained to do and can manage both so it
1: it can work and yeah. I think women these days you know uh, when we go to the enterprise collective yes. which is where we met there are so many women there now who I believe are trying to find this way of being able to do multiple things yeah no sort of thing as work-life balance as we all know it's a work-life blend and actually it's having what's your unique blend yeah. of what's going to make you happy and I think women now just recognize that they've got multiple hats to wear yes I'm I've got my wife hat on, or mm. I've got my you know mum hat on right now, or I've got my my work hat on. Yeah. And and then I feel like I'm a developer as well. So yes, it's like I've got yeah. my developer hat on, my hard hat on to so yeah. you know, to go and do that. But I think it's about recognising and one again, one of the things I work with a lot of my clients is they get they then get overwhelmed because they've got too many hats. Yeah. And it's about saying, you just have to take a breath. You can't be all of those all in one go. If mm. you try and be mum, wife, developer, worker, you know, whatever it is you're doing you will struggle. Mm-hmm. You need to consciously put on this hat of, right, I'm going to cook supper and be good wife, good mum and yeah. do that. And then I'm gonna take that off and now I'm going to be the next hat and I'm gonna put that on and I'm gonna solely focus on whatever work it is that I'm doing mm-hmm. until whatever time. And then I'm gonna take that one off and take a breath and then I'll put on the next one again. And I think it's about con- making those conscious conscious choices throughout the day to be that bit of you mm-hmm. and embrace all of it. Yeah.
0: So was there a defining moment then that you thought, actually, yes, that's what I want to do? Or was it through the soul searching over a couple of years that you thought it's something that might work? But...
1: I think there were seeds and I can look back now and everything took me in a, on a right path. You talked about it just mm. before we came on. You just have to go with the flow a little bit, don't you? Yeah. And, and trust and believe that if you look back, you connect the dots and it was the right thing for you to do at the time. My mum got very poorly and um my dad legendary dad looked after my mum for 10 years with alzheimer's but he protected my sister and i and um he didn't really open up particularly well to the health services mm. and we didn't know how bad it had gotten oh. away until the point my mum ran away and well she ran away lots and lots of times but it was at one particular time when my dad was with my sister and the police called and eventually got her back and my dad said i think it's time and he handed over a book to my sister that had he kept a record of everything that he was doing. Oh, and that was the first time my sister rang me. She goes, we need to do something. Mum's coming at Dad with knives. And oh, in, in that moment, I then rang up and said to the health visitor, you need to go get my mum and we need to get her in her home. Yeah. Right now, I said, you know, we can't do anything else for, for yeah. my mum, which is devastating, yeah. but I can't protect yeah. my dad. Yeah. Um, and so within that week, it was an incredibly stressful week, getting my mum into, got her into her home. And we look back now, and we have absolutely no idea. But she managed to smuggle a knife into the home. Oh gosh! I don't know how she was, because I, my responsibility was looking after mum, but I yeah. think she must have cottoned on something was going on. But she got a knife into this lovely home we got her into, and she started coming at the carers there. Oh gosh! And so she got I sectioned, and she got taken away by the police and got put into a mental asylum. is well, that's it was really awful. traumatic for everybody involved? It was. It was just horrendous. Um, Nothing actually, could prepare you no, for something like that, I have can no it? Idea. You don't have
0: those skills, do you, to deal with something like that? Oh, I, it,
1: it, it was heart wrenching and hard, hard for my dad as well to see. The worst thing was actually going to visit her because when, when, when the last time that I'd seen her, when we put her in this home and she was lovely and she was, she, she'd put on quite a bit of weight, which mm. was fine because she, you know, she'd probably forgotten that she'd eaten and her body right. functions weren't working properly. The next time i went to go and see her maybe a month later because we weren't allowed to go in and see her right for a period of time which was again yeah. traumatic yeah and my dad wasn't allowed to go but in hindsight my dad needed that break he yeah. was knackered and i went in to see her and they don't put people in a straight jacket anymore hmm. they just drug them yeah. so that they are in a straight jacket because they can't function and my mum had been she literally shriveled and she shuffled and from this beautiful glamorous woman to to being this shell and she couldn't she didn't know who we were she was drugged it was it was awful and she just clung to the window and she clung and i I just said dad i don't think i can go back i don't think i can see her like that and so the next time i saw her they drugged her to such a point that they thought that she was safe to go back into another home and out of the asylum and i went to go and see her there and it was in the January just after i turned 40 at this point and I went in to see her and she'd got pneumonia and I was spoon feeding her like puree and she couldn't take her drugs at that point. She just looked at me and she said, oh, Ali, I love you. And I started crying, it still makes me cry when I mm. about that. And then I walked out the door and I turned back and I could see her. And I got back home, I was driving home, and my friend Romy had been looking after my son. <laughs> she said, I think Tom's broken his leg. I, was oh like, God. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> she goes, but he can't walk on it, it's really, really swollen. Unfortunately, Tom had been through it all while this was all going on. Tom was having some difficulties at school, and there were some boys that hadn't particularly taken kindly to him. And he'd had a nasty tackle, and yes, he, he, he'd had his leg broken. Oh. So I was then in hospital with him, and then I was at, coming away from hospital. I got a phone call from my dad saying, the doctor's just been in to see your mum and he's given her an end of life situation. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll sort tomorrow yeah. when I come back down. So it took my mum seven days to die, which again, no one ever prepares no. you for that. No. And in one, some ways it was really bonding because my dad was there and my sister was there. And the three of us sat vigil all throughout the day. We mm. did crosswords and we listened to podcasts and just sat with my mum and you know talking to her and reliving happy memories and everything. But there was also, because she'd had pneumonia, it was this awful cough, and everyone talks about this death rattle, and I don't Mm. think anybody, you do not know what a death rattle is until you heard it, Mm. and it is horrendous, it's just the most horrendous experience. But I suffered a lot from PTSD after that, because I remember my sister and I just sitting with mum going, saying, mum, please go, please die, Mm. please just go, please, 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 please put yourself out of your own misery. And then I had horrendous guilt after she did eventually die, because I'd asked her to die. Yeah. And it was a second grieving process, because we'd already grieved her once when she'd lost her character. Yeah. Then we grieved her because she was actually gone. And then I was just like, oh my God, I'm such an awful daughter, I asked her to die. You know, I was willing her to die, mm. so I really struggled. So if there was one defining moment, it was kind of like, after all of that had happened, it was kind of, and a lot of people I know now, when you lose someone in life, it's a huge... Yeah. Wake up call, time to reevaluate. Yeah. It's you son- and I don't think it happens until it's somebody who's really close to you. Do you get that hit of mm. life is final? Yeah. You know, it's infinite. It's not infinite. It's it's finite. And I was just kind of like, right, I'm I'm forty. I have probably got another forty years left in my life. What on earth do I want to do with it? No more messing around. Mm. What What am I going to do? Mm. And I thought, well, I've loved this journey of understanding health and how it impacts your body and how you can prevent disease by doing it both from a mental and a physical point of view, I really want to do something with that. So I started to look into proper courses, not Mm. just me, you know, reading hundreds of books and watching clips of amazing people, but what can I do to actually get that rubber stamp and certify myself to be able to help people? Yeah. Um, And I found a few courses and then I found one that I really wanted to start, but um, then something else happened that just meant that I couldn't my whole world came crashing down when my marriage broke down and I'd, I lost everything again I had more PTSD and that was when I was diagnosed with clinical depression and in some ways and you say when you look back you, you connect the dots
0: things, it's like oh my god yeah, how much more can this woman take
1: I, I know it wasn't like that I was like come on <laughs> <Yeah>. what's next <laughs> And, and I just thought, well, you know, I can connect the dots back and maybe from mum being poorly and me leaving work and being really interested in all of this holistic therapy and the stuff that I've been going on, this second kind of grieving period of losing my life, losing losing my husband, losing my friends, mm. losing my social life, mm. losing my self-respect. So I lost my identity all over yeah. again was just like, okay, I've been through this once. I, you know, I've been through loss before. I just need to go back up and pick the tools up that I know and do it again. But it, it was hard to do that in the, in the darkness of depression, so hard. Hmm. Um, but I didn't, the, the doctors obviously offered me all kinds of drugs and I was just like, I'm not coming here for drugs. I'm here to tell you this is what's happened. And if, if, if for whatever reason something does happen, then you know, and it's on yeah. record. Maybe I was coming in for a bit of a cry for help. Yeah. Um, but I just said, I don't, I don't think I want to do that. I think I'm going to go down the holistic route and meditation and mindfulness was my saving grace. I remember when my mum was dying, I used to lie on the conservatory floor in the evening when we got home and I would just look up through the window and look at the trees and I would just listen to my breathing and looking at the trees and just kind of bringing myself to being in the moment. Cause I just kept worrying about, what am I going to feel when she dies? What am I going to mm. and, and that was just too painful for mm. me to bear so i would do that and then in the mornings when i was up and awake i would go running around home which was beautiful and that was another almost mindful practice because i couldn't think of anything else other than the pain in my chest and the pain in my legs it was just like i have to be in this moment i can't think of anything else so when everything happened in terms of my marriage i was just like just go back to that and do what you can do basics do simple steps basics if you can't eat because i had had real problems but had an eating disorder as well just the thought of food made me feel sick so i was incredibly underweight, mm. which was dangerous. Um, but I was just like, come on, you know what you need to do, just make, if you can have a smoothie or make some soup, just try and eat something mm. to look after yourself. Because you've got to be strong because you've got two small boys you're looking after. Yeah. So you've got to look after yourself in order to be fit for them. And in some ways, I look back now and maybe that was another defining moment because everything had shattered. You know, I'd lost so much over the course of those few mm. years. The
0: whole kind of foundation of life, really.
1: The foundations yeah. are gone. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm going to build up from the bottom again, but this time I'm going to do it my way Yeah. and I'm going to only do it for me. And I could look back and I think, you know, maybe there was some element of me before wanting to please my dad to be this person that could do everything, have mm. a family, have a job. I was trying to please James by bringing money in and being the perfect mother and but yeah at the same time being like his mum who was an amazing mum and being this perfect housewife and I was mm. trying to be everything for everybody else but ignoring yeah. myself
0: yeah. which I think is actually really common <laughs> isn't it uh, So common. I think women really do kind of yeah. lose themselves
1: and well we're so busy looking after everybody else that we forget to do the most important thing which is yeah. to look after ourselves and and then I see so many women that now and saying they've come to this crunch point and something's happened it's like right now we're going to focus on you Mm. get you right and everything else will fall into place you know get you right and mentally emotionally physically whatever you want to do in your career will be right because you'll have the strength to do it the the mind space to be able to do it and go forward and Mm. do it get you right and you can be in service to everybody else who's dependent on you whether Mm. that be elderly parents whether that be children a partner, a husband, yeah. doesn't matter, a friend in need, get you right first. So whatever you do in life, put everything in your diary for you first. Yeah. And that sounds com- well, so, so wrong. Well, well yeah, because we, you so know,
0: right. we, we're all just laden with guilt, aren't we, as women, to take time out. Even, you know, having a bath in an afternoon. Uh, oh, I should be doing the exactly, homework. yeah. we yeah, should be it, we are just, supper. Or... Yeah. We're just kind of laden our, on ourselves, aren't we, that we're kind of struggling to allow time to, but it's so important.
1: Yeah. And if, uh, if you can see it from that other other perspective. So in some ways it was a gift that everything was kind of obliterated for me to actually go, do you know what, I don't care about anybody else, I'm gonna just focus on me, mm. what do I want? And then from having done that, everything else has kind of clipped back into mm. place. You know, I'm living in our dream home, mm our relationship is better than it ever has been. Mm. Our boys are really, really happy. I've got a thriving business. I help people, mend their hearts. I mean, what what more could I ask? It was just like, you know, if I could go back to myself four years ago and tell the story that it is going to be okay. Mm. I don't think I would have believed myself. No. But...
0: And what I love about the story is, as awful as the experiences you've had, is now you can use all that experience to help other people, which is what you're doing, which is invaluable really, isn't it? Yeah.
1: And I feel blessed that I I can do that, and I remember reading, I can't remember who was it, maybe it was Wayne Dyer, he said, if you ever go through challenging times, the key thing is to be able to use those challenging times to then help shine a light on others in challenging times. And and I remember holding on to that and thinking, I've been given this, you know, I've been given all of this crap in order to go through it for some reason that is going to have a good reason at the end of it. Yeah. So and I held on to that I just kept thinking I can get through this I will get through this. You've been given this mountain so that you can show others that it can be moved. Yeah. Was another quote that I loved. And quotes yeah, was like ma- massive for me yeah. and I would just find quotes all the time just to help me keep going. Did you it. have
0: them somewhere visual that you could see them every day or were they just in your head?
1: No, I had lots of different ones that I'd save them on my phone or they'd be on my screensaver. I used affirmations an awful lot Mm. and they were pinned up by my mirror. My favorite quote, there were two quotes um, that I had pinned up by my mirror every day that I looked at. And one was, Love yourself enough so that others know how to love you, Mm. because I think that's so important. Yeah. You know, I hadn't been loving myself or honoring myself or respecting myself. So no wonder, you know, Mm. I was being treated like crap by Mm. work, by, you know, whatever. And it's like, okay, if I love myself enough, then I know when to say no to people, because yeah. I respect myself enough to say, no, that's that's not how you treat me. That I'm not yeah. going to be treated like that. Yeah. And then the other one was um, bring yourself joy so that you can bring joy to others. So the more you feel joyful yourself, and you know it, someone who comes into a room who's really joyful and happy, just creates that ripple yeah, effect.
0: Absolutely. Yeah,
1: So another thing that I do with a lot of clients is say, you know, they're going, going back to this permission thing. And guilt. Give yourself permission to love yourself, mm. and give yourself permission to actually do something you really enjoy doing, mm. because then you'll be able to, you know, ripple that effect onwards. And I work on a concept of writing a joy list because underneath that quote um, about joy, I wrote. I, I just I remember reading it the first time, and I was like, oh bloody hell! <laughs> I don't know what brings me joy. I'm in a, I'm in the bottom of the pit yeah. at the moment, and it's all dark. I can't even remember what I used to like doing. Yeah. And then eventually I decided, I think I meditated at the time, and I was just like, please remind me what brings me joy. Please remind me what brings me joy. Um, and it came back just to the small things. It was like, you love running. You love being with your friends. You love volunteering. You love um, being with family. I can't even remember, there were a few things on my list. You love baking was another mm-hmm. one. You love writing was another big one. Mm-hmm. And then I just thought, right, okay, every day, I'm going to do one thing, if I can only do one thing today, I'm going to do one thing off that list, whether yeah. that be a run, whether it be writing, whether it be, you know, being outside of nature. If I can do one thing, then I've had one moment of joy yeah. in this very, very dark space. And amazing that when you find that one little chink of light, y- you can then kind of like, yeah. it just grows a little bit, a little bit yeah. and and it, and it kept growing, it kept growing. And and then it was like, well, I can choose to be in that light. I'm going to go and choose to turn on that light switch. And, mm. and, and I'm going to keep going. It was almost like a moth to a flame. It was like, right, I'm going to keep going back to that light. And, and then suddenly you find yourself in the light more than you are in the dark. And mm. that's when it shifts.
0: So your clients now. So what do you what do you offer as, as, as a service? Because obviously you've got all this experience and qualifications yeah. now. So how, you know, how different are all your clients?
1: <laughs> I've had... So many amazing clients and they all have incredibly different stories I think um, and I've done it in lots of different ways but at the moment I love helping people on a private basis. Mm. I work with people who come here who live locally but mm. I also work globally so I work with a lot of people who I talk to over Skype yeah. or FaceTime so through um, video conferencing. Yeah. Um, some people actually like speaking to me on the phone, Right. they don't like to see my face and I get that. Mm. Because it's just a voice asking you questions, yeah. and you don't have to look somebody in the eye especially if you're feeling elements of embarrassment or shame. Yeah. And you're sometimes it's just easier to do it that way, which is fine. So that works really well. So I work with people privately, mm. um, and I work with them over a period of six months. I think lots of people these days are looking for a really really quick fix. They just like fix me now, give yeah. me a pill. Just I need to get on. Mm. It's actually no. It takes quite time, time to make Yeah, it's quite
0: often so much tangled up in people's ha- yeah. history that's got them to the point that you can't just yeah. unpick it in six weeks, yeah. can you?
1: I like to show them the diagram of kind of like a, a or an analogy of an onion. Once you fix the outer layer, there's another layer, and we'll yeah. fix that one, and we'll keep going until we find the diamond in the middle. And when mm. we've got to the diamond, which is you, mm. then you can start layering stuff back yeah. up. But that takes time, so. The people who come to me is usually at the first element is we need to heal you whatever it is we need to heal mm. we'll go through that healing process of you know going back to basics yeah. or actually saying what needs to be said and then once they've healed it's then right okay let's look at going forward what's going to make you really happy what's going to make you really healthy let's build practices and lifestyle practices into that mm. to, to take you forward so that's you don't do that in one session no yeah so and, and I also like to say you know six months is optimal because a lot can happen in six months yeah so and i'm there if something else happens hmm. to help you get through that yeah. or you know seasons change you know some people really struggle in the winter yes so yeah. and then but then you might find it easier in the summer or vice versa so yeah. it takes that length of time i also work with people group coaching i've written an online group coaching course because i was finding well i can see people here privately i want to help more people so how can i do that so i can yeah. see people in groups so that's what it's called the Heal Yourself Happy Academy, and I work with ten women at a time, and only ten, so that I have enough time to support them, and they all get it, feel like they're getting enough support yeah. from me.
0: And then again, I suppose that's like building a small community as well, isn't it? Which is what it's
1: exactly that. And yeah. there's something so magical about women coming yeah. together. I think some of the, sometimes again it's this courage piece. They're a bit nervous about coming into a group of women, especially if they don't know them. But yeah. the women who come out of that, they've made friends for life. They've yeah. gone through amazing changes and they've connected and they've bonded. And some of them who live close meet up. Otherwise yeah. they stay connected in other ways. Yeah, um, And that's really magical, just that, that shared... Grief, shared loss, shared whatever, but also that shared kind of success and celebration. I'll also go through that
0: journey through the the course together. Yes,
1: exactly. And I take from both private clients and then also the people I work with on my group coaching through my own experiences and everything that I've been through. And then through my first year of working with clients, I started to notice lots of similar patterns, similar traits, similar issues, Mm. commonalities, really. And... But then also through that, you could see what worked with each kind of, which techniques worked. So I created my own framework that I I think people like a framework. It's like a toolkit. It's just like, well, what do I do? So right, we're going to go step step by step. So it's uh, a creator, I suppose, a signature framework. It's called my Heal Self Happy Methodology. And it's got seven steps within it. The first three go back to that self-respect piece. It's getting the basics right. So happy belly, what are you eating, what are you feeding Mm. yourself? And also getting people to understand actually what you put in your tummy can really have a massive impact on your mental health, not just your physical health. So sort your belly out first. Then we talk about happy body. What can you do to actually make yourself feel strong? Because once you feel physically strong, Mm. that can also make you feel mentally strong. How are you looking after your body? Then happy sleep. Um, and again, that ties in very much with a lot of mental health. When when I was going through my times of clinical depression and I had insomnia, I just mm. couldn't sleep. That also then had a negative impact on my mental and yeah, emotional yeah. health. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's awful, isn't it? Yeah. If you don't have any sleep, you're so much more responsive and vulnerable to... And you're commens- just really
0: get living on adrenaline, aren't you? you?
1: Are. And you can't do that over yeah. a sustained period of time. So if you get the basics right, you know, how you're looking after your body through what you feed it, how you're using it and then how you're sleeping then you can move on to the next one which is all about getting in in touch with your mind and becoming the master of your mind so if you've been through some difficult times Mm. you you can struggle with anxiety and anxiety is usually worrying about something that's happened in the past or worrying about something that may or may not happen in the future and either way you cannot change them you cannot change anything that's happened in the past it's Mm. done Mm. so you've got to accept that yeah And the only way of influencing anything that might happen in the future is where you are right now. So it's using your mind to bring you back into the moment. So we do a lot about mindfulness in there, but also really strengthening your mindset through a lot of the techniques that I used, you know, like affirmations I touched on and things like that. So getting your mind right. And then after you've got those four things in place, then you can go back to what was my favorite pillar when you've got that right then you can get in touch with you who you are and it's called the happy soul so it's all about real authenticity who you are who's mm. the true you mm. you know forget about what everybody else thinks yeah. you should be and you're capable of doing who do you want to be mm. if you want to be an artist yeah be okay I think it's that thing. Be who do artist. you want to be yeah, yeah. not yeah. about what you want to do, who yeah. do you, want to be? you know and, and i try and get people to think about it in terms of those you know being words you know and, and we talk about values you know what what's really important to you do you, you do you want to be fun do you want to be um trustworthy what do you, you, what are your brand values what when people think of you yeah what do they think of who you are yeah and then you use that to try and then determine what you want to do what's your purpose and that may or may not be something that you want to do as a career it could be something that goes alongside your career for you to enable you to do what you know yes. you need to do because so yeah. many people i think feel trapped in a job from a financial perspective, yeah. even if they don't like it. It's like, okay, I recognize that. I'm not telling you to leave your job, no. but actually what could you do in your life? Who could you be? What else could you do outside of that so that it makes it okay for you to go and do that? Yeah. And that do just that. doesn't define
0: you. No, that so you're, more that's more. not your defined. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So happy soul I love as a, a topic and that can be very enlightening for so many people. Mm. Just give themselves permission to be themselves. again? permission. It is, isn't it? And then we move on to happy connections, which I hadn't realised, having been such a connected person all my life and loved being around people, Mm. I did not realise how many lonely women, lonely people there are, you know, and possibly with the changing shape of the way that women work, you're either at home on your own a lot with your kids at school. Mm. Which
0: can be really isolating, I know when when, I've I've talked to you briefly about it before my daughter was at home, she was homeschooled, and I found myself kind of stuck at home really yeah. and all my friends felt like all my friends were getting on with life and yeah, careers and, doing what they're doing. and I, I had nothing to contribute to it to conversations yeah. because it was like well, what have you done today
1: or like, well, you off. know if, yeah it's really difficult so really hard or, or homeworking people yeah. have made the choice to work from home to be flexible to be around their kids but again you're you're quite isolated mm-hmm. if you work from home on your own yeah so again it's about helping people understand how to connect, where you can get connection, whether that be through networking groups or going to have a coffee at your local coffee shop or mm. just really understanding how they can make friends in an easy way and saying you don't have to be so isolated, yeah. you you can connect. There's also another interesting side to that as well as you, you are a reflection of the five people that you spend the most time with. So if you've just defined yeah, really. yourself as being fun, lighthearted, you know, carefree, are you spending time with people who are those things too? Mm. Because if, you're gonna find a clash there, so yeah. go check. You, you might have, and it's you have to do it. I teach people to do it in a very dignified way, but you might want to do a friendship review. Yeah. And that doesn't mean to say that you slash people and are rude to people. It's just a very conscious decision. Yeah. Who am I going to spend my time with?
0: I think it's recognizing also that you that we're fluid, aren't we? We yeah. we change as we develop and as we as we get older. And your older. friendship groups change, yeah. and
1: your interests change, and and it's and it's okay. Yeah. you don't have to stay connected to the hundreds of people you were with at uni we just don't have mm. that level of time mm. so after you've worked that out on my final section is all about happy life and it's about bringing all of that together and really helping them create their own prescription for this happy healthy life so based on everything that you've known, understood and what we've done what's your prescription so which bits are you going to take that are going to make you feel the happiest mm. and then giving people the techniques to empower themselves and give themselves that permission to actually do that
0: it's so empowering Hallie. it really is it's amazing <laughs> well
1: that's what i hope people come away from or i hope i know they do because i've yeah. had the experience experience yes. of people telling me that but they come away and they feel massively empowered because mm. they've they've got these tools now yeah. that they can always call on yeah. with whatever happens in their life that they can use that framework again mm. um, they feel hugely enriched because they've actually put into their life what they want yeah what they really really want um, and they feel energized because they're eating right, they're moving right, yeah. they're motivated because they're actually, they put stuff in their life that they want yeah. and they're not resenting doing stuff that they don't want. Mm. And then they just feel, you know, can't remember what the last word is now, that they're energized, enriched, empowered, and enriched, I think, mm. enriched is the last word. Yeah. So they come away just thinking they've got so much in their life that they're grateful for.
0: So where do you see yourself in years? Do you kind of think ahead now or are you still very much in the moment?
1: No, I think, I think it's really important. Um, to live in the moment, but I don't think there's anything wrong about having long-term aspirations, goals, dreams and hopes, because I think that's mm. what keeps you going, that's yeah. that's part of the motivation piece to yeah. keep going, what, what do I want to create, you know, James and I always sit down and say okay, where do we want to be in five years, where do we want to be in ten years, and you know, if I, it's easier to think of it in a perspective, okay, in ten years time we'll have a 22 year old and a 20 year old, so mm. they're not really going to be around that well, much anymore, and so what we want to have created a life for ourselves that we still, that is still enriched yeah. with them in, but not as much as they are as a 10 and a 12 yeah. year old, which is quite a lot. Yes, yeah. So, you know, we have so many plans here in the house to do a lot more with, mm. with that. Um, I'm going to be running more retreats to have women here as well, which... Mm oh that would, would be lovely love to do yeah Just that would be teach really what nice. I do very practically in yeah. a shorter space of time I'm running retreats actually in Spain with a friend of mine to do that this year but mm. eventually we'll have all the coach house done and that oh, would be, be a amazing. wonderful place yeah. to do that I, I see myself and my business very much carrying on doing what I'm doing because I mm. love it I'm sure it'll morph and it'll change in slightly different ways yeah. and I'm sure I'll add to the programs that I do would you ever write a book? But that's, that's I'd love to write a book, and I've started writing my book so many times. So throughout the whole period of when well, it was actually, I sat down for supper one night with um, my friend, and it was the day that my mum had been taken into her first home, mm. and she said, "Ali, I don't know how you've dealt with everything." Mm. And I said, well, it's all of this personal development stuff I've been doing and just keeping myself centred and calm. And blah, blah. She goes, you need to write a blog. And I was like, Ooh. what? what about? She goes, this. And I was like, well, one blog. And she goes, yes. And I was like, well, if I'm, I can't put it all in one blog. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <I was laughs> How like, long's a blog? Been I, like,
1: no. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. So I just said, well, do you know what? Why don't you give me a challenge of writing a blog a day for a year? And I'll ah, share my experience yes. of yeah. what, what's happening and what I'm learning. So I started a blog called the alley sandwiches because i, I don't know what to call it but then i just thought do you know what i'm stuck right at this moment i am stuck with a family a young family that's very dependent on me mm. and parents who are quite dependent yeah. on me as well and then there's james and then there's work and there's so i'm like kind of in the middle and i'm, I'm torn between all of these different scenarios so mm. watch like i'm going to call it that so it became um it became an online journal really mm. it was just a I just thought no one is ever going to read this, yeah. so I'm just going to write down what have I read today, what my thinking, and it became really well followed. And it talked about the, my experiences. Obviously, then my mum really struggling, mm. and what happened when she went into the mental asylum. Then, then she suddenly died very suddenly, and then I think people were surprised when I carried on writing through all my marriage mm. problems, and some people just didn't understand why I did that. I think there are so many taboo subjects and yeah, so many, you know, menopause yeah. being one, miscarriage yeah. another, betrayal and infidelity, yeah. massive, but yeah. yet it happens to 75% exactly. of marriages. Yeah. So why do we all think it's such a shameful thing? Yeah. It, okay, it's, it's not ideal, but it happens mm. to more people yeah. than it doesn't. So let's talk about the experience and how James and I got through it. Mm. So we're a, we're a success story, yeah. not through a lot of tears and a lot of hard work, but we did it. Mm. And, you know, we're, we've got a much better marriage and experience from it and probably a much stronger ra- marriage than, I dare to say, than a lot of people because yes. we've been called in to actually really yeah. look at it and work on it. Yeah, there's, there's a
0: level, there's a different level of honesty there now, isn't it? Yeah, there? There? there's nothing that we yeah. don't
1: actually openly say to each other. Yeah. So but why not share that experience so that others can learn from it? Did and, you find the blog
0: mm-hmm. writing it quite a ther- part of your therapy, in a yeah, way?
1: I did. Yeah. Hugely. It helped me get through so much and even on the back of it when people come up to me and say now did you regret writing about everything and being so open about how you felt and I said no mm. because it actually helped me get yeah. through it and yeah. I wouldn't have got through it without the art of writing mm. and for, for maybe what, every one person who said oh don't write that why, have you, why did you say that I ha- must have had ten people commenting to say oh my god yeah. that so inspired me yeah. thank you for, for sharing that. your story yeah. thank you so much that's helped me yeah And still today, people because I shared that, people come to me and come to my programs because of what happened.
0: Well, because it's your honesty and your authenticity that you you are—you know—you can share your experiences and help others learn from it.
1: So I want to do what you did. Is that okay? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to tell you it's going to be easy, but it's worth it.
0: Yeah, I think it's amazing. I think you are amazing. I think I love what you do. It's brilliant, and I'm really just delighted that we we bumped stopped into and, each uh, other yeah, in a queue exactly yeah <laughs> I know. because it's just that's I love that you don't know everyone's got a story to share yeah and unless you start talking to people who just don't know do no, you
1: you don't and I, and I think some people don't like to share their story for a shame of it and I would encourage people to share because they wouldn't be alone and then they wouldn't feel so ashamed by it mm. because no. they would know they weren't alone yeah but that I think
0: it's fabulous. Thank you. So my last three questions. Oh, go on, yeah. So favourite do you have a favourite musical song that's got you through all this? Your go-to song?
1: My, yeah, my go-to song would have to be the one. Um it was the one that my son my son played on the car. Do you remember I said he got, got his leg broken yes. by some of the boys that yeah. didn't like him? And it was the song at the time, it was called T- T- Titanium, and I can't remember who done it. I should yeah. look at it up, no. you know which one it's I mean? The one. titanium yeah. one. And I remember, because I was so upset about my mum at the time, and, and it was one song that I played an awful lot after everything had happened. Because after Tom had had his leg broken and in the cast for six weeks, it, it happened to be sports day. Oh, right. And, and I just said, darling, just do your best. You know, just be careful with your leg. Because he'd obviously then had to have loads of physio, because yeah. his muscles were all wasted away. And I said, you know, just, just run the race and do your best. And just have fun and, mm. and enjoy sports day for what it is. But he's incredibly sporty. So <laughs> he literally... He got up and he won every single oh. race and he kicked the butt of all the boys, beating them him up. And I was like, "You are yes. titanium. Your bones are titanium." And I was just like, "So I was just like, oh, if my son can inspire me, this is a yeah. song that's going to inspire me to be strong enough to yeah. get through in life." So that that was my song.
0: Oh, I love that. That's really <laughs> cool. What about an inspiring book? Because I do know you read a lot, oh don't you?
1: Oh, that was such a hard question. You so said I was like, I can't, "I can't even think of one book." So I will go back to the one book that I suppose started me to think differently do you remember I said when I used to be this cynic yeah. who just didn't care about this wee wee world and yeah my friend my friend once said to me she said I think you should read this book and I said okay I she said you know personal development is, is is really good for us and I said I don't need to be personally developed I'm developed enough I mean how arrogant was I I mean I'm mortified that I actually even said that <laughs> but I said okay I'll take the book and um you know typically it just sat there for a while and then I one wonder well, I just might well read it I was like, why did they not teach this in schools? <laughs> it was yeah. A Secret by Rhonda Byrne. And I was uh, like, why, nice. yeah. why the power of your mind and the power of the law of attraction, be what you want to attract, yeah. just be. And it blew my mind. And that was a book that then suddenly get, oh my God, there is a whole world out there mm-hmm. of all of this information. That, yeah. And then that led me to Wayne Dyer and Eckhart Tolle and Maren Williamson and... Gabby Bernstein and just all of these amazing... There's there's not enough time in the day to read the books that I want to no,
0: read. No, likewise, my list just gets longer Binger and longer. Bigger and bigger, and then with, somebody will yeah. recommend one, and I'm like, oh my God, when am I going to read that yeah. one? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Thank like God for Blinkist sometimes. You've just
0: mentioned it briefly, and I I always think, what's your thoughts on schools and, and the way they teach their personal development? Because obviously, this is something that for our generation is really yeah. quite a new thing. Yeah. Do you think... I think schools should be dealing with issues that... that
1: Especially the mental health. Yeah, the
0: mental health issues much a, more than they are doing.
1: I think they're getting better, and I know that um, mindfulness is beginning to be taught in schools. Mm-hmm. Um, coping mechanisms in terms of that, and recognizing your thoughts and your emotions. So rather than uh, suppressing them, which yeah. a, the Brits are very good about, they let's are. just brush that under the yeah. carpet. It's about, you know, it's okay to feel emotional. It's okay to cry. It's okay to not be okay, mm. and and just sit with this feeling for a while because if you carry on trying to run from a feeling, it will carry on chasing you and you're going to carry on running until you're exhausted and Mm -hmm. it catches up with you. So just sit with the feeling of sadness until you feel like it's passed through you and Mm -hmm. you've got rid of it. So I, I do believe they're getting better. I think there's a lot more work that could be done. Is that something together. you might be interested
0: in, in the future in working with young people? I would love
1: to, and I'm, I'm just finishing a qualification at the moment that will help me do that, but then it's time. How, how yeah. do I find the time to do that? Yeah. I, interestingly enough, how I met Vicky, Honest Mum, mm. was through a graduation programme, and I was volunteering at the time with a company called Mosaic, and it, um, it was a wonderful programme for girls initially, although while I was working with them, we, we extended it to boys as well, but mm. it was all about empowering them and giving them empowering techniques to move through. So one of the things we did was like a five finger, if you're feeling sad or lonely. So it was for really underprivileged kids Mm. in the centre of Leeds. So some of these kids didn't have, they came to school on the bus, no one got them on the bus, they were nine. Mm. Um, And when I asked them, (laughs) it was really embarrassing. We were doing um, uh, Europe and Various different things and breakfast. It was an exercise about talking about breakfast. And I said, "Well, if you were to have breakfast in France, wouldn't you have a croissant?" And they were like, "What's a croissant, Miss?" And yeah. I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. I felt absolutely mortified. Mm. Um, so, I think there are schemes that are happening, and they just almost need to be part of the curriculum yes. rather than just being an external yeah. external one. Bring it in, and it yeah. I, for everybody. And yeah. I'm, su- I'm sure they're getting there because obviously mental health in adults now mm. is getting such high profile. Yeah. I can see it in in schools happening yeah. I know and Grammar School one of my friends who's written a book she she goes in and does a lot of teaching mm. but I think it should just be part of the cur- curriculum yeah in terms no, of writing a book I've just written my first chapter for a book called how to be happy right and I've got stacks and stacks of ideas of how my book is going to write I just again I guess, time. I need yeah. to find the time to write it yeah so that's exciting I though. know so that is hopefully in the plan for Q4 this year
0: right amazing
1: I shall keep out one we'll look out for that one and know.
0: who inspires you
1: there well. I've already talked about how my son inspires me, mm. and Tom. You yeah. know, just I think children can inspire us. Yeah. So much, you know, with their resilience, their yeah. ability to bounce back and yeah. smile and play. I think sometimes that we can all take ourselves a little bit too yeah. seriously, myself massively included, and just have to remind myself to let everything go, have fun, let loose, and laugh a lot. So yeah. they massively inspire me. My dad has always been um, a huge inspiration to me. He went through terrible, terrible times in his youth. And I remember him saying to me when everything, my world collapsed and he just said to me, said, Ali, you're a brooks, my maiden name. He mm. said, you're a brooks. And he said, shit, lands on the brookses. He said, but you'll be a rose rising through that shit, never you mind. Oh. Uh-huh. And he said those words exactly to me. And I was like, oh my God, Dad. Mm. <laughs> goes, don't worry, you'll be fine. Mm. And he was fine. And you were, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing <laughs> all so that with me. Kai. It's really been quite moving, to be honest. It's just... <laughs> Because I can relate to, to different parts of it and it's about that personal journey and your growth and to yes. see where you are now and then helping others is just fabulous. Thank
1: you. Thank and you. thank you for what you do as well and getting everything out there so that we can all hear these amazing stories. Well, it's, it's stories that bring it, is. bring it to life with the courage for somebody to say, oh, that's yeah.
0: what I need to if do. somebody being able to relate to somebody else and think, actually, I'm not on my own. I, not I, on your own. Yeah. yeah exactly yeah. That. If you want to find out more about Ali, please go to healyourselfhappy.com and you can also find her on all social media platforms Facebook, Heal Yourself Happy Twitter at heal.ally and Instagram, heal yourself underscore happy and I will be back next week Thank you for listening to this week's Out of the Bubble and I hope it's left you feeling inspired I'd love to hear from you who inspires you and why Please get in touch. You can contact me via my website, rachelperumodel.com, or leave a message on the Anchor app. And if you're listening via iTunes, don't forget you can leave feedback. In the meantime,
1: keep being fabulous.